of the day, you know, a lot of luck has to come into it, you know, to even get that shot. But right now, I'm still, you know, running around like a kid out there on the field, having a great time. So, as, as long as I can continue to do that, I'll be out there on the field. You know, I love the game. It's, it's, it's giving a lot to me. I'm, I'm enjoying the ride. I'm going to keep, keep riding this thing to the wheels for all The odds are definitely stacked against you, but you know you can never lose confidence in your game and your abilities. And then when you get that shot, just make the most of it. It's now time to go around the nation in Division Three football. Here are your hosts, Pat Coleman and Keith McMillan. Welcome to the D3Football.com Around the Nation podcast for February 2017, a month where the coaching carousel begins to die down a little bit. We're beginning to see a lot of what next year's schedules look like, and uh, Keith and I will talk about that and more, including speaking with three current D3 alumni in the NFL as we look forward to the NFL draft. But uh, Keith, I know... You don't deal with the football schedules the same way I do in terms of you know punching them in and that sort of thing. So I, I thought I'd give you first crack at picking out a game from the two-thirds of the schedule that's in so far from the upcoming season, a game that interests you from a competitive standpoint, and, and then maybe one that's just interesting because of its unusual pair of opponents. Well, the, the easiest one to be interested in, of course, is Mary Harden Baylor at Linfield uh, in week two of the season. It's the first chance to see... Uh, both of those teams who were elite teams last season, uh, Mary Harden-Baylor obviously won the national championship, but they both have new quarterbacks. And uh, and you get to that point where great programs, for the most part, they reload. But I think there's really a difference when you have a, a, a Blake Jackson or Sam Riddle at quarterback. Those are the kind of players who can elevate you to the next level. It's certainly early in the season. You won't be able to make grand conclusions from that game, but um, but it, it matters down the line too, because it's um, you know it, it'll help for playoff seeding, assuming both of those teams make it back, and uh, and it made a big difference uh, the past few seasons when they met in the playoffs. You know it, it matters whether they play that game in Texas or in Oregon because it's such a long trip. Uh, for uh, you know another one that we that we probably have to mention um, competitively is uh, is St. John's at St. Thomas at Target Field in Week Four. I think that'd be unique because of the uh, the venue. Usually you don't want to put a D3 game in a huge venue, but I think this, you know, you may get 20,000 people there and, and it may be worth it to play uh, at a baseball stadium. Um, and it'll, it'll be interesting to see both of those teams where they are, you know, er, again, early in the season. Um, but I mean, I think St. Thomas, the way they went out of the playoffs on an eight turnover game, you you wonder, uh, was that an anomaly? And, you know, what would what would have happened if they had only had, say, like five turnovers in that game? They may have advanced and they may have played in the national championship again. So only only, um, only five turnovers. Right. 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 Which is still a terrible game, but uh, but certainly not as bad as as eight. And I think there's um, there's a there's for like some off the beaten path kind of uh, kind of games. Um, I, I like Whitewater and uh, at, at uh, Illinois Wesleyan, which is uh, usually the third place team in the CCIW we're starting to wonder if Whitewater is still uh, still an elite team uh, or not so that'll be another one to watch and that's right right on 
week one. Yeah, and that is a that is a fair question. That's not an unfair question at all about Whitewater coming into 2017. Uh, on the Tommy Johnny game at Target Field, um, you know, obviously that's local for me. Uh, I know that the Minnesota Twins, as the you know proprietors of Target Field, have been pushing that game really hard to their season ticket base, uh, and both sets of alumni organizations have been doing the same. Uh, and I did hear a little while ago that they had uh, pre-sold upwards of 20,000 tickets already. So uh, that would be impressive. Now, our list of all-time highest attended uh, Division Three football games already had the caveat at the top that it was uh, two D3 teams facing each other in one of the team's home stadiums. We'd have to create a separate list or put an asterisk on this one, but uh, it would have the most people we would think that would have ever attended a Division Three game. Just, you know, obviously some awesome but extenuating circumstances. As I was looking at the games that I wanted to highlight from a competitive standpoint, uh, you know, one that I've been looking forward to since uh, about uh, two or minutes or so after the national semifinals ended would be the rematch between uh, UW Oshkosh and John Carroll. I haven't booked my ticket for Cleveland for the uh, first week of September, but um, that is my plan. I, I certainly intend to and hope to be there. That should be a a fantastic game as well, and especially considering lots of changes going on at John Carroll uh, and Oshkosh coming off of a you know the best season in school history. If I'm looking at the, some of the games between unusual opponents, there's some great ones just in the Wash U schedule alone. Uh, Wash U uh, and University of Chicago both left the Southern Athletic Association after this past season. Um, U of Chicago joined the Midwest Conference. Uh, Wash U is spending a year as an independent before joining the CCIW for football next fall, the fall of 2018. And so to fill out a schedule, they play a couple of uh, Iowa conference teams. They play Whitewater and they end the season with Bridgewater. If you can imagine ending the season with a uh, Wash U Bridgewater game, uh, I know this is because uh, my alma mater doesn't play in the ODAC anymore starting this year. And Bridgewater always used to end the season with Catholic, but it's just really interesting to think of, uh, Wash U traveling from St. Louis to, you know, just south of Harrisonburg, Virginia on uh, for a game on November 11th. Yeah, and, and it'll be a, a maybe a game that has um, playoff implications. Those teams have, have made, you know, made the playoffs in the past, but I think it'd probably just be kind of a, a, an interesting game uh, because you see two teams that haven't played uh, very often. I think another one in the same area of the country is uh, is Wisconsin-Platteville and Hampton-Sydney. You figure if it's a good year for Hampton-Sydney, um, because they're, they've often had a, a great passing attack, Platteville almost always does, that could be a game that, uh, you know, you get a thousand yards passing in. <laughs> yeah, it uh, what, whatever day it's scheduled on, um, better make sure that the uh, field's available the next day. It might, have to, uh, might take that long to finish that game. There was a better way to say that. I'm not going to retake it. One last game I wanted to point out was one that uh, we highlighted a little bit on the front page of D3 football uh, a week or so ago when we put this stuff out there, uh, where Augustana opens the season at Cortland, which is just really interesting. They start with, the, uh, this is the Augustana schedule, Cortland, Central, uh, and then they actually run the CCIW schedule alphabetically. So they're Augustana, that's A, right. Okay, you, you can do the alphabet, I'm sure, without my help. But Carroll, Carthage, Elmhurst, Illinois Wesleyan, Milliken, North Central, North Park, and Wheaton. That's it, deliciously random or not random, I guess. Yeah, I was going to say, is that a coincidence or, or done on purpose? 
I don't um, know. I, I don't know how you. I, I guess that eventually you keep randomizing the schedule. Something like that's going to happen. But that I just that jumped out at someone on our message board. I should be specific about. And then uh, I, that was uh, something that stuck in my head after that. Yeah, I was going to say to even notice that is a little bit a uh, little bit random. One one thing we should point out, you know, there the a, there's an absence from this list. Um, all the elite teams have a great game early in the season, except for Mount Union. There's no early season Mount Union game that gets you excited. Yeah, they play North Carolina Wesleyan again this year in the non-conference schedule. Uh, you know, they don't play um, they don't play John Carroll till the last week of the season. Uh, if you think Ohio Northern's a big game, at least that's at the end of September. It'd be interesting to see how uh, Baldwin Wallace goes this year, but uh, the Baldwin Wallace game with the new coach, that'll be early on in the season. That's been a good game in the past. I don't know if that's uh, a, uh, uh, you know, that kind of early season test for Mount Union though, this year in 2017. Yeah. Just so, so eager to see them again because uh, they were so close down at Mary Harden Baylor with a freshman quarterback and, uh, you know, you really want to see them uh, get another test. Uh, if not, uh, we'll see them at least in November. Um, some of the other things, of course, this upcoming season, of course, with conference changes, uh, Liberty League now has just six teams. So uh, each of those teams have five non-conference opponents, which has made for some interesting schedules, what we've seen so far, uh, ranging from, you know, maybe the most competitive where Ithaca is facing five of its former um, Empire Eight opponents, including of course Cortland, the Cortica Jug game's not going anywhere. And uh, on the opposite end, Union is facing five teams that probably won't be in the top half of Division Three when you and I get together <laughs> six months from now and do uh, our kickoff one to two forty nine ranking. So uh, interesting there. ODAC, of course, we mentioned Catholic uh, is out, so they have four non conference games for each team. Uh, Newport News Apprentice, unfortunately, shows up on a lot of those, and they're not a Division Three school. Um, I think Davidson is actually on a D3 schedule for the first time in more than a decade. Um, USA South added Brevard. That's a school that's entering Division Three from Division Two. So they have just two non-conference games that we have not seen most of those schedules. We've only seen Methodist has posted there so far. Uh, the New Mac, which we've talked about in previous episodes, uh, uh, podcasts is a collection of eight teams that came uh, from the ODAC, the Liberty League, the ECFC. I think I'm missing some uh, some conference that uh, one of those have been drawn from. It's a lot of the former Freedom Football Conference teams uh, are getting the getting the band back together, which is uh, which is uh, should be a lot of fun. Should be interesting for that in in terms of old rivalries getting renewed, and that's a group that. Uh, won't have an automatic bid until 2019, so don't worry about uh, somebody taking away your automatic bid yet. That's like a 20-year-old reference. The Freedom Pat Football Burrow. Conference. Hey, well, I know, I know, it's a it's a throwback for us, but Freedom yeah, Football I just don't Conference. Know how many of our listeners even remember the Freedom Football Conference? <laughs> it was uh, it was awesome though when we were just getting started. There was just uh, because here's what was awesome about it: they weren't the the most competitive teams, but um, you had great rivalry because uh, Merchant Marine and Coast Guard were both in the league. Uh, Plymouth State was in the league at the time. They're not in this new one. Um, WPI, I believe, was in the league. They are now. Uh, Norwich was in that league, and they are again. Uh, Western Connecticut was in that league before. They're not uh, not going to play to that level now. And also, you know, one of the guys who was pretty uh, instrumental in the website when we first started, Jim Stout, covered one of those teams. So Freedom Football Conference was big for us. This podcast has a theme, of course, uh, as we mentioned briefly last month, teased on Facebook last week. 
uh, and mentioned just a couple of minutes ago. We're talking to three current Division Three alumni playing in the NFL because draft season is upon us and there are dozens of D3 players across the country working out in hopes of getting drafted, getting a free agent contract. We wanted to bring in three guys who have been down that road to tell people what it's like and, and share their experiences and advice. So we'll be talking to Jarrell Freeman, getting the veteran's perspective, uh, a specialist's take, and then the experiences of a guy still trying to establish himself. They each took different paths to the NFL, but uh, but they have something in common with each other and with some of you out there listening. There are things D3 players have no control over, whether they get a chance, what the situation is when they get a chance. But each, uh, Jarrell Freeman, Andrew Franks, and, and Joe Callahan, they each had the right attitude when the door was open, and for them it made all the difference. And this is a good time for us to note that uh, the – D3Football.com Around the Nation podcast is currently sponsored by nobody. This is a good spot for your brand to be heard. It's a good time for you guys to reach coaches. Coaches make decisions on a significant amount of purchasing decisions. And if I'm putting on my marketing hat, you know, the the funnel for you guys for brands like this is very small, right? There's not a lot of people who are making the decisions to spend the money on items such as, you know, uh, upgraded field turf. You know, these things as you know, fans probably understand this uh, maybe as well, but you know, the, the lifespan of a of an infill field is about eight to ten seasons. Uh, there's a, so those things need to be replaced. Um, you know, schools are all about uh, upgrading uh, stadium scoreboards, and you know, a, a coach influences decisions on that. Uh, a lot of talk about helmets and uniforms, and you know, uh, weight room equipment and all those sorts of things that a football coach has a lot of input into. So if you want to reach coaches, this is the time of the season to do it. This is the time where they're making those decisions. And this is the time where it's a, a little less expensive to do so because the listenership is very focused among uh, coaches, assistant coaches, uh, players, that sort of thing. Maybe not as many fans listen in February, but we would love if you did. So if you're interested in sponsoring the D3Football.com Around the Nation podcast, or you can think of somebody who would be, uh, drop me a line at pat.colvin at d3sports.com. Now on the podcast, we're joined by Jarrell Freeman, two-time D3Football.com All-American, 2007 uh, D3Football.com Defensive Player of the Year. Oh, also, of course, uh, a linebacker for the Chicago Bears of the National Football League. And uh, first of all, I really appreciate uh, you taking some time out to join us. I really appreciate that. Oh, man, thanks. Thanks for having me. I look forward to doing stuff like this, you know. Got to come back to my roots. So, you know, get to talk to you guys is a good thing for me. Appreciate that. Um, you know, this month we're talking about guys who are playing in the NFL, guys who have NFL hopes and, and, and trying to, you know, give some hope to those who are going through this process right now. And, you know, the guys from D3 who are hoping to be in this year's draft cl uh, class are already kind of well through this, I'm sure. But for the guys who are going to be seniors next fall, for example, prospects for the 2018 draft, what were the things that you had to do to get yourself in position to get noticed and get signed out of Mary Harden Baylor? I mean, I would just, <laughs> I just went out there and played. Uh, that's pretty much all you can do. Uh, I wasn't even really thinking of NFL, man. I was thinking about the next semester of school, to tell you the truth, and just competing. You know, your movie is always competing for the next, you know, championship, which we finally got. But, yeah, it's uh, just, just working out. And they – I just looked up one day and the scouts just started coming, you know, uh, and just continuing to, to keep working, try to uh, perfect my craft and then be whatever I could be with, uh, within that defense and uh, just have some fun and not put too much pressure on myself. 
Yeah, I know that uh, the NFL really does kind of beat the bushes looking for guys at all levels. Um, and they do a good job of finding D3 guys. But, uh, you know, like after after that season ends, right, and you're kind of positioning yourself, then, you know, how, how does it work? Do you, you know, is your first is your first thing to go out and find an agent or, you know, that sort of thing? Uh, if you're if you're good enough, you don't have to go searching too far. Uh, they'll they'll come find you. Uh, they I think agents kind of see talent, uh, especially if you're if you're a local guy uh, and you got because I mean Texas, you think of football in Texas. I mean I I'd like to think we have best football in the nation. I'm gonna just put that out there. But, uh, well, you certainly have a good uh, claim for it this year, don't you? <laughs> yes, we do. Yeah, but I mean, they'll you uh like the teams uh the, the team finds you also so it's just uh you're going through the process of thinking oh, am i gonna stay this semester and, and do training or am i gonna just uh forego this last semester of school and just go ahead and just go train and, yeah. and just uh, just just go all out and, and see what see what happens I think there's going to be a lot of guys who are probably in the same position that you were at the end of that first training camp, right? You know, uh, you know, very few D3 guys get drafted. Uh, a handful of guys get uh, signed free agent contracts like you did, and then a bunch of guys get cut and don't necessarily get added to practice squad and that sort of thing. What was your feeling at the end of that uh, first camp when you got cut by the Titans? What did you? Uh, what were you thinking of your options at that point? Uh, man, that's. <laughs> I know I'm. First I know I'm going back. Like I know I'm going back like a decade. I apologize. Oh, that's that's still that's still part of my little story, man. I think about that all the time, though. I mean, it's it's one of those one of those things. Well, I, I didn't just get cut once. I got cut like they cut me. I was going through all the OTAs and mini camps and everything, and uh, like two days before I was supposed to come back uh, for for training camp. You know, you get like after OTAs, you get like six weeks, and then they'll they, then you fly out to, to training camp. So yeah. when I was flying out, the, about to fly out to training camp, like two days before they called me, was like, "Yeah, we're not gonna uh, we're not gonna have you come come to training camp, man. You know, uh, we we got to do something else with the roster." And I was sitting there like, "Man, is it like that?" So yeah. <laughs> so I'm sitting at home for like a week, week and a half, and then they end up calling me back. And you know, just just bring you back. Hey, we, we need you to come up. I was like, well, I I don't know if I'm gonna be a camp body, actually have a chance, but who's gonna say no to that? So you know, right. I went went back up there, ended up beating all those linebackers out until that last cut came, and it was yeah, I, I was one of the guys to get to get cut, and I was just like, man, is this is this where it ends? And you know, I got got to talking. I think Tennessee was real good, you know. With, some teams don't talk to you after, where they just tell you to get your playbook and uh, here's a flight uh, ticket back home. Uh, I think Tennessee was real good with they kind of sit down to talk to you about you know flaws or the reason why this happened or that happened, you know. And I think one of the things that stuck with me was my linebacker coach, Coach Mack. He was just like, "Hey, you're an NFL linebacker, just not here, not now. You know, don't even don't even worry about it. If you don't get picked up, he, he was like, I got I got friends in a few places." And you're you're gonna be playing football next year, uh, at at the at worst. So, uh, that just kind of stuck with me, and I ended up just going back to school and training. You know, I didn't didn't really know where where I was gonna be. You know, I was <laughs> a lot of people don't know it, but you know, I was I, I was sleeping on couches. You know, guys, because I ended up giving my lease to somebody else before I had left, and yeah, it was a uh, 
it was a little rough time for me. I was in a in a, in a spot where it was like, man, where's my life going? You know, I like I said, I'm in the back help coaching at UMHB, and just just training and working out, try to uh, I guess see what was happening. And then a CFL team ended up calling, and another one ended up calling, another one. I was like, man, what's going on? So I ended up that that next. I sat out one year and then came back and played for for the CFL team, but that. That time was a little. It was a little rough for, for me, man. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine that. That time, there must be a lot of D three guys who go through that too. You know, when is it? When is when is it actually over? Do you keep? You know, how many years do you keep on playing that game where you're uh, trying to catch on with the team? Uh, you maybe go through OTAs or off season workouts with somebody, but don't end up getting uh, don't end up getting picked up. Right. I think. I mean, not just for D three guys. I think that's guys coming out of college period true when is it when is it time to to give it up but yeah i mean the fortunate thing about d3 guys is you know you when you first go to d3 i don't know if you're going to uh make it to the nfl out of there so all your all your eggs are in one basket you know i when i went to mary Hart and baylor it was for um, academic scholarships and so i just you know I, my all my eggs weren't in one basket. I went back to school. I was, you know, thinking about going into law and, you know, trying to uh, continue being a professional in some other capacity. But uh, just in my drive, and I just love working out and just want to compete. I mean, of course, you still have that. Uh, you should have thinking in the back of your head, like, man, I want to do this. And uh, I got the opportunity, and I told myself every time I got that opportunity from now on, I, I won't, you know, got to make my presence known, and you know, I got to. Make whatever team picks me up, make a decision, you know, and I, yeah, all the decisions have been good decisions before me since, since then. <laughs> um, you, uh, so you spent those, I think, three seasons in the CFL, uh, come back to the NFL, and I know it seems like at that point you just kind of had a, a breakout season. You went from being almost completely off the radar to being a guy who was, you know, racking up tackles left, right, and center. Right. Came back, uh, Crazy. I came back and I was going to be a special team guy, third down linebackers. You know, CFL is all passing pretty much. Yeah. And you got to cover everybody all the time. So, uh, came in. Uh, that was that was my role. They told me what it was. I was like, yeah, I'm cool with that. I'm, I'm in the NFL. I'm, I'm gonna make. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm gonna make do with whatever I have, man. So, and ended up first preseason game. One of my best friends, Pat Anger, he ended up breaking his foot. Uh, and when he broke his foot. He actually finished out the drive, maybe the quarter. He would have would have broke foot because he's just, you know he's a crazy guy. He Jeez. just love football just like I am, just like I do. So it's just he ended up breaking his foot, and they were like, "Well, free. Uh, this is your opportunity," you know. And a guy like me, I don't understand D three guy, CFL guy. Not really, you know. I'm still a rookie free agent. That's my mentality. I still have that mentality now, but I know my window is small and whenever that window opens you have to uh, make make do you have to make sure you're prepared and once i got in i made most of it you know for, especially for that year i ended up breaking that tackling record for with the colts and mm -hmm. just continue to try to progress you know and continue to get better that's one of the things we hear people say that once you're established in the league it kind of doesn't matter whether you came where you came from you know whether you came from usc or d3 or anywhere in between has that been your experience yeah, you you, you kind of get that you kind of get that stigma, especially from the I, I'd say more front office than the players because players can see if you can play or not. I mean, we're out there on the field, mm -hmm. you 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 get somebody next to you that you trust, 
and they can run and they can understand things. And I mean, you, you, you can feel it, but it's still kind of like a business. So <laughs> yeah, their front office, I mean, when I was in Tennessee, it was kind of between me and a fourth round pick, you know, and personally, as, as much as Stan is one, he's the, one of my best friends, Stanford Kegler. He is, uh, I mean, I just thought I was a linebacker than he was, but it's fourth round pick against free agent. Like, well, what are you, you know, like there's, there's nothing you can really do with that. So, but yeah, you kind of get the, kind of get the stigma, but then once you come out and play and everybody sees, I mean, it's just like undeniable. Like what you, you got to keep going. Uh, you got to, you got to make them make that decision, like I said. So, I mean, that's just it's kind of happens. And once you're, once you're established, then, I mean, you're good. I know uh, we're focusing on the pro game this month, but I, I can't have you on the podcast and not talk about uh, Mary Harden Baylor's year this year. And I, and I want to talk about <laughs> I want to talk about the national title in a minute. But, of course, you also had your number retired uh, this past season. What, what was that like? Man, that was crazy. Uh, yeah, they, you know, called me up. I talk to Coach Fred all the time. Uh, keep in touch with coaching staff. A couple of guys I still know. Uh, I don't know. I think after Tedrick and you know, and I, I think that's the last classes I kind of I kind of know some of the guys, you know, because mm-hmm. I I've been back helping kind of recruit and all that type of stuff. You know, I might I might show my face out there. So it's uh yeah. I mean that was a great thing to see, man. See Coach Fred. Running around like a like a lid on the field, happy. I mean, it's it's definitely great for our program. I think it's a long time. I mean, we had a we had a few teams there that we thought were were national championship teams, but we didn't we didn't finish. So it was uh, it was really really good to see, man. How did you uh, how did you follow that game? Where were you watching it? That sort of thing. You know, they they streamed the the, the games on on the phone. They you just gotta go in. They got a little app and just go yeah. in and, and stream the game. So you know. I'm screaming and yelling on the on the plane, or <laughs> back, when I get back to my room, nobody knows what's going on. You know, I'm really that's it. like, who is that playing? I'm like, man, it's Mary Hart and Baylor, man. Y'all put respect my respect my guys. Okay? I know, right? That's like and your one. You, that's your one chance that your guys are on TV, right? You know, what I mean? I'm, I'm yelling, going crazy. You know, and of course now in the locker room, I'm I'm the only guy that can say, hey, we got some championship here. There you go. You know. There's nobody else in the in the room with a national championship team, you know. So it's it's, it's good to brag about them like that. Uh, I'm looking, you know, you know, obviously, uh, you haven't been in the NFL all that long in the grand scheme of things, but you will be turning 31 coming up in a couple of months. How much longer do you think you have in the league? You think? That's <laughs> I know, right? That's like the same. Well, it's like the same question from before, and who knows when you're done, right? I, I but I, I gotta ask because I mean these are not things that I know. We don't usually have to follow D three guys this long. Uh, I mean I don't think it's a a number, guys. To let you know, your body's gonna tell you when it's time to leave it alone. So uh, I'll kind of, I'll kind of go with that. But right now I'm still you know running around like a kid out there on the field having a great time. So. As, as long as I can continue to do that, I'll be out there on the field, man. I, I love the game. It's, it's, it's given a lot to me, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm enjoying the ride. I'm going to keep, keep riding this thing until the wheels fall off, man. As we bring back in Keith, Jarrell Freeman, hard to say, I guess, whether I'd call him or Pierre Garçon the most prominent D3 player in the league right now, but neither of those probably all that important. Uh, what is important is that his story can serve as a reminder to anybody that, uh, you know, first off, 
the NFL will find you. And secondly, even if you don't stick with a team right away, there's value in staying in playing shape and, you know, taking opportunities to play wherever you can. Yeah, I love Jarrell's story, the especially the part where he takes a year off and he's uh, crashing on people's couches because he had to give up his lease when he had to fly back and forth to to Tennessee and you know not knowing what he's going to do with himself. It's kind of the quintessential D3 story. I mean, as a as a sports editor, like if I was telling a writer to write that story, I'd be like that part is the really interesting part where he's at this crossroads with himself and if he doesn't decide to stick with it, None of this ever happens. And and for those of you who don't know, he's been a a, a solid, if not um, upper tier linebacker in the NFL for the Colts and the Bears, a tackling machine. Mm-hmm. His story, the bouncing around, the having a year off, going to the CFL, getting his chance, breaking through, and then having somebody get injured and have that opportunity arise. It's kind of a quintessential D3 story. And I think it's probably one a lot of players uh, or or a few players, because there really aren't going to be a lot of players who have these opportunities from D3, but there are going to be 12, 15 guys this season that get this opportunity, and they'll all be able to relate to this. And everyone doesn't have his talent, and they all won't break through when the, when the chance arises. But I think Jarrell, Andrew, and Joe, who uh, we'll talk to those two guys next, they each have one thing in common that a D3 player can control, and that's being prepared when the opportunity arises. You know, None of these guys starred in D3 thinking it would lead to what it led to, but they all took from it the right attitude. And, and going in to that point, um, Jarrell saying, hey, I'm, I'm happy to be a special teamer in the NFL, but when my chance arises, I'm gonna light it up. And you know, Joe bouncing around uh, from, from camp to camp or Andrew getting his opportunity because people came to, to campus to scout someone else, but him being ready uh, when it happened and then going to various combines and stuff. I think the big theme to take away from Jarrell's interview and, and the two you're about to hear is that uh, be prepared for when that opportunity arises because you don't know when it's going to come. And it, uh, it, it, you know, you may only get one of them or you may have to bounce around a little bit, but when, when you get on the field, you have to be able to deliver. Now on the D3Football.com Around the Nation podcast, we welcome in Dolphins kicker Andrew Franks, or as you might remember him, uh, Andrew Franks, two-time first-team D3Football.com All-American from RPI. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Thank you. And, uh, you know, we are, are talking, of course, this month to guys who have played, are playing in the National Football League, uh, and everybody has a different type of story of how they got from D3 to the league, and I'm sure... Uh, coming from a specialist standpoint, the story is probably even more unique. So can you kind of take us through the process of, you know, when your senior season at RPI ended, what did you do next and how did it kind of unfold from there? Um, you know, I think it really started, I mean, even well before my senior year and my junior year, really, because we had a guy, Mike Herman, play quarterback. And I mean, he drew a lot of NFL interest just from his size, his physical stature. And, you know, so we got a lot of scouts coming to RPI to watch practices and, all of that and so that was sort of I think the first time NFL teams really saw me was that they were scouting him and also happened to see me at the same sideline and they would talk to me at that time and they came back uh, for my senior year to watch practice sort of to see how I was progressing how this big leg was sort of managing at this D3 level so uh, that was sort of when it started once my season was over you know I, I really thought you know I need some more exposure I need to sort of figure out what I'm doing, um, and I ended up going to the Senior Bowl down in uh, Florida, 
and that was sort of my, you know, concentrated, a concentrated game where I get a lot of scouts there, a lot of people to sort of show, show my stuff really. And, you know, there happened to meet my agent there at the same time. And, you know, that was sort of my first real step, I think, in, you know, pursuing an NFL, uh, an NFL uh, career, you know, after that, um, I ended up going to a specialist combine, you know, there was specialists were no longer, uh, we weren't really going to combines anymore. They were, they weren't any spots at the regional combines either for us. So, uh, some specialist combines sort of popped up, uh, to fill that niche. And I went to one, uh, Mike Husteads down in San Diego, you know, I thought I did really well there. And I think that exposure as well as my senior bowl game, and, you know, having my stuff on YouTube was really sort of the deciding factor in me getting, you know, a shot uh, with Miami. And that was really all I really wanted. That was all I was hoping for was just to get an opportunity. Now, I wasn't expecting to get drafted. I didn't have lofty goals. I just simply wanted a chance. And that was sort of my route to where I am now. Your YouTube reel, is that uh, was that in-game highlights? Is that workouts? Is it a combination of both? Uh, that was, I believe, all of my... Uh... In-game highlights, yeah. Uh, that was all of my uh, kicking and punting from my junior and senior year, I believe. I, I remember multiple 50-yard-plus field goals. I know, obviously, you know, the distance, the length of a yard doesn't change as you move up in level, but obviously, you know, the rest of the mechanics and the speed at which, of course, the ball comes back to you and the, the, uh, the, the, the rush comes at you is obviously significantly different. Yeah, you know, I think being a specialist sort of gave me um, a nice edge in terms of going to the NFL because, I mean, the goalposts are the same size. The only thing that changes is for, you know, all intents and purposes are the hashes. And if you can kick a ball straight, you know, you should be, for the most part, relatively good in terms of going to the next level because very few things change. You know, the rush may get faster and bigger, but, you know, your old line is also bigger and stronger too. So, you know, you definitely have things going in both ways there. There are three D3 guys, or guys with D3 backgrounds uh, uh, at the kicker positions in the NFL last year. You, Stephen Hauschka, I think everybody knows, was at Middlebury before he was at NC State. Uh, Jordan Gay uh, at uh, went to center and has uh, been with the Buffalo Bills for several years, kind of in and out this past year. But do you think that there's more actually more opportunity for kickers or for specialists coming from the D3 level than maybe at some other positions? Uh, I think so. I think it's a more transitable position for sure. You know, I think, you know, at skill positions, you know, offensive line, like any, like, positions on the field, offense, defensive-wise, you know, I think scouts are really looking for, you know, skill of competition, the level of competition, sort of how they perform against other high-level guys. And I think at a D3 level, it's it's hard to judge that sometimes. So I think for them, so I think it's hard for them to judge that. Uh, for kicker, punters, I think for us, you know, it's a matter of, you know, accuracy. And that, like I said before, you know, it doesn't change because the goal, the goalposts are the same. So I think it's an easier judge for them than it is for some other uh, skill positions. Seems like your spot with the Dolphins has been pretty secure over the course of the past couple of years after you won the position in camp going into 2015. I know sometimes with, with kickers, uh, there are, uh, there's a whole range of kickers just across the league who are, you know, uh, guys who are working out, hoping to get another shot uh, who might, you know, work out for a couple of years with, and just be a, a bunch of, uh, take a bunch of tryouts and maybe not get an opportunity to uh, to kick in a game. What's the separation 
and I know you don't know maybe what that's uh, what that kind of life is like, but what's the kind of separation between being a guy who's established and then being a guy who's kind of looking for that shot? You know, I think uh, it's it's weird to say it, but you know, I think at the end of the day, you know, a lot of luck has to come into it, you know, to even get that shot, especially from a smaller standpoint. But you know, I think the entrenched guys, guys that have been in the league for a while, I think they really have a, a firm understanding of how it works. Comparing an NFL season to a college season, it really it's hard to relate, and just in terms of the length and the scope of it. So, you know, I think that's one thing that. Once a guy's sort of been there for a while, it's it's hard to oust him just because he knows the ins and outs. He knows, you know, what's going to happen during camp, like how to prepare your body for a long season versus a college guy who doesn't have that true long, that long haul in, in their season. So I think that's one of the reasons it's difficult, but it's one of those things you never know when you get called up. You never know, so you always have to be ready. And, I mean, the dream is it's hard to attain, but it's something that, you know, if you keep on working hard, hopefully good things will find you. A couple of months since the Dolphins last played. What's a typical day in your offseason like right now? Um, right now, it's been pretty relaxing. Um, actually, this week, I'm actually doing an externship at uh, Under Armour in Baltimore. So I'm there in Baltimore right now, sort of learning the ins and outs of Under Armour and, you know, having a good time with some uh, ex-NFL guys and current NFL guys. So having a good time. But for the most part, you know, it's really working – it's ensuring, you know, I get enough rest, you know, the season's long, like I said, but, you know, uh, you know, spending time with family, friends, you know, visiting people that I haven't been able to see for a while. So uh, a good amount of travel as well. This upcoming season, you guys are playing the Bucks. They had uh, three D3 guys on the roster last season. Do you keep tabs on the other D3 guys in the league? Do you know when you're facing one of them? Um, I know Ali Marpet's there. Uh, that's my guy from uh, Hobart. Yep. So. Uh, I'm excited to see him. Uh, I, I feel like uh, in recent years, the amount of D3 guys going to the league has definitely increased. I think scouts are recognizing there's talent there. So it's sort of hard, you know, keeping track of all the D3 talent that's made it to the league. So, I mean, it's great that they're here. And But once you're here, you know, you're an NFL guy. No one cares that you were a D3 guy. You've made it here, and that's all that really matters. Keith, I know we've all seen it now. There's a, how there's a bunch of kickers who kind of live on the fringes of the league, occasionally getting a cup of coffee, uh, an opportunity to be a kickoff specialist somewhere, competes, uh, you know, for an upcoming job. Um, Andrew Franks has been fortunate so far to have won that job in his first training camp, and he's been successful so far for the Dolphins. Yeah, I love his story, too. You know, people came to RPI to see Mike Herman, uh, the quarterback, and uh, then noticed Andrew while, while they were there. Uh, Andrew gets a chance at the Senior Bowl. He has to go to a specialist combine. He has to circulate a, a YouTube clip of highlights. You know, it's a lot of things that have to fall into place for him to get that chance. But one thing that he pointed out, and I think this is a very big takeaway, um, not a whole lot changes from D3 to the NFL when you're a kicker. Whereas, you know, trying to turn the edge as a, uh, as a defensive end against NFL offensive tackles is going to be a lot different than it would be uh, going against D3 tackles kicking from 50 yards, 55 yards out into the wind, pretty much the same, you know, so, so not a whole lot changes for him and for him to, for Andrew to be sort of focused on his job and what he needed to improve and to have that opportunity, I think it's part of the reason why he's been able to make it. And then when you do make it as, uh, as both Andrew and Jarrell pointed out, you know, you're just judged on how you perform in the NFL. So after you get in the door, maybe your first training camp sometime during that first season, maybe it's the second season, but Players, 
They just say, can you play or can you not? Are you going to cost my team the game or are you going to help us win? And then the front office, you know, they have their different reasons for, for liking players. A lot of times they spent draft capital or they spent free agent money on somebody else. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be even tougher for the D3 free agent to earn the job. But ultimately, once you're in the door, you're judged on how you perform. As long as we're playing uh, throwback to the early aughts, uh, I know you and I remember, but I wonder how many of our listeners remember Carlos Martinez from Buena Vista. Uh, he was a kicker, two-time All-America pick, our first teamer in 2001, and he literally only stopped playing professionally after the 2015 season. Uh, he was only ever on an NFL roster once for the Cowboys in 2006, but I remember he was in Eagles camp uh, at one point, and he had a really long, successful arena career as a kicker as well. Yeah, not as old a reference as the Freedom Football Conference, but you would close. have had to have been with us for a long time to remember Carlos Martinez. But hey, he's a great example of somebody who, who made a career out of it, uh, even though it wasn't a, a, an NFL career for the most part. And I think it's always neat when we hear um, every now and again someone's name will pop up. They'll, it'll be like Kurt Rocco's playing in the indoor football league or something like that. And you're yeah. like, oh, I remember that guy, you know. So, uh, so it's always cool to, to know that, you know, there are. I don't know, 20,000, 22,000 um, D3 players in any given season. And, you know, there's a handful of guys who will make it in the NFL, CFL, Arena League, and, and guys who will play and have long careers. Yeah, and un- unfortunately, we have not done a great job tracking Arena guys the past uh, five years or so, but uh, we'll try to get back to that and, uh, you know, bring you some more news about who those guys are, who's having success, even just who those guys who are who are playing, because those are important things to know. Now on the D3Football.com Around the Nation podcast, we welcome in Joe Callahan, a former Wesley quarterback, D3Football.com All-American, Gilardi Trophy winner, and, um, you know, at various points in the last season, he was a Green Bay Packer, then a Cleveland Brown, then a Green Bay Packer again. Uh, Joe, first of all, uh, thanks for joining us. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Just a, uh, just a really interesting season. And first of all, an interesting breakthrough from Division Three into NFL consideration for you. Can, can you take us through just how the process went for you? Um, it was definitely crazy. Uh, you know, I, I knew coming out of a D3 school, I might have been a long shot to even get invited to a rookie camp. But, um, you know, I, I had my dream and I kept working towards it. Um, I trained for my pro day, which was at University of Delaware. And um, then probably two weeks before the draft, I got a call from a Packers scout asking me to come to a pro day in my state that uh, – they actually didn't allow me to participate in, and I had to sit through it, and uh, I was given, like, 20 minutes to throw after. And, um, you know, I was just lucky to have that one team that showed interest, and within that 20 minutes, that was enough to get a invite to their summer camp. And then, uh, you know, even even once I got there, it was still a long shot, and it was a, it was a you know, a pretty stressful summer. And then uh, the preseason, I was just hoping – at the start of it to make the practice squad. And then as the preseason went on, hoping to make the active roster. And then, like you said, once I made the active roster, it was still a, a crazy season. I went from Green Bay to New Orleans, then to Cleveland, and then back to Green Bay. And that's where I finished my season. See, I forgot about uh, New Orleans completely. I didn't even have that on my list. 
Um, take. I, I want to ask a little bit about the, uh, the the pro day setup because there are very few Division three schools, almost none, I think maybe other than Mount Union, that can uh, draw scouts to have a pro day of their own. Most of the D3 guys end up at the pro day of uh, the the local uh, Division one team. Uh, what what kind of what kind of things do you have to go through to get into one of those? Um, well, I mean, I, I was lucky that our head coach, Mike Dress, had a good relationship with the head coach at University of Delaware, and they allowed me to participate. Because um, there's certain rules that you either have to be in the same state as your school or like within a certain radius of your hometown. So it's, it's tough to get into a pro day just based off your location and where you went to school, and then that team that's hosting the pro day has to allow you to participate. So, you know, I, I was lucky that University of Delaware allowed me to to come and uh, kind of show off some of the things that I could do. I think we all followed uh, and then followed with disappointment the way that the Hall of Fame game went down last year where uh, you were uh, actually slated to start that preseason game for the Packers and then because of the field conditions it, it didn't get played. Um, but what was the rest of the, the, the Packers training camp and just kind of the training camp experience like? It, it was a lot of fun. You know, these are some of the guys that, like Aaron Rodgers, that I, I grew up watching and, you know, to be in the same meeting room, that's exciting. And then you have to go through all the stresses of, you know, possibly being cut any day and seeing other people in the locker room there one day and then gone the next. And it, it just kind of shows that side of the business that not everybody sees when you're just a fan watching the games. Um, so it, it was uh, it was an exciting pre or an exciting off season and into the preseason. But uh, I definitely had some growing pains and uh, had to progress a lot and make sure that I was improving every day while studying the playbook and. And just trying to be as prepared as I was every day for, you know, the the few reps that I might get in practice. Listening to how you described your 2016 season, that means you got cut three times, right? Yeah. Uh, in Green Bay, it, it was kind of a tough situation where we just had a ton of people going down with injuries the first couple weeks. And um, there was two guys coming off suspension, and I was just kind of the odd man out on the roster. Um, because there were spots that they needed. So being a third-string quarterback, that's kind of the way things go. And then when I was in New Orleans, it was the same thing like that. The 10 days I was there, you know, I I think seven guys went down that week in practice, and it was just, again, odd man out. And then um, Cleveland claimed me within that 24-hour period. And the day that I got there, there was – five quarterbacks on the active roster, including myself. So I might have thrown the ball 10 times in the eight weeks that I was in Cleveland or six weeks I was in Cleveland. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of saw the writing on the wall there. I, you know, most teams don't keep three quarterbacks on the active roster, mm-hmm. let alone five. So it was just kind of week to week kind of expecting to get released because I, I wasn't even given a chance to really prove myself there. And then once they finally did release me, uh, I was I was just lucky again to have Green Bay call me back and sign me to the practice squad for a week and then put me up to active roster the rest of the season through the playoffs and then sign or extend my contract two years after that. So I was happy to come back to Green Bay. So that means that you're uh, you're working out with Green Bay or working out as a member of the Green Bay Packers or however I guess the whole concept kind of works here over, over the course of the off season. What are the what's the off season like for you? 
Um, you know, it, it's not what I expected, I guess, with the, the CBA rules and what you are and aren't allowed to do with the facility. So, um, you know, I'm training, just making sure that I'm in shape and ready to go when we go back mid-April uh, for all the, the off-season workouts when I'm back in Green Bay. But, um, you know, I, I'm just making sure I'm staying on top of my game, improving on everything that, you know, they had told me, you know, areas to work on when I had left Green Bay. Just so when I come back, I want to come back moving forward and show that I uh, I took this off-season seriously and, you know, I'm ready to compete again once I get back to Green Bay. What's it like playing with Aaron Rodgers? It's great. Um, you know, I, I was actually a Green Bay fan growing up. Uh, Brett Favre was one of my favorite players and then moved on to Aaron Rodgers and to see what he can do, you know, actually on the field. And, and it's one thing to watch the games on TV and then just a, a whole other world to see how he approaches the game, the types of throws he makes in practice, and uh, the type of leader he is. And um, like I said before, some of those things you really don't get to see when you're just watching games on TV. And then to, to see how he does things and approaches every day in meeting rooms on the practice field, it's just, you know, it, it's been a great experience even though I was there for half of the year to just see how he goes about everything. You know, there's a, uh, a handful of Division three wide receivers in the NFL. There's been a couple of offensive linemen. We've actually had uh, three kickers uh, uh, over the course of the past couple of years. But there haven't been very many quarterbacks. I mean, Alex Tanney is, is one, and he's had one game uh, played in the NFL over the course of however many seasons he's officially been a pro. It seems like uh, quarterbacks have been a, a really difficult place for D3 guys to break through. What's the, what's the big difference that you've seen? Obviously, there's a lot of differences between D3 and the NFL, but what were the biggest ones? You know, it, 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 it's tough. I guess everybody's different. Um, I feel like quarterback is definitely a tough position to break through. You kind of have to get lucky and prove yourself in a limited amount of reps. It's not like receiver where everybody's kind of rotating through. Um, you know, I might get two reps in a practice and one might be a pass, and you have to make sure that you make the right read, the right progression, and complete that pass. I guess that's one of the toughest things. And then adjusting from the D3 level to the NFL where, you know, a 245 or a linebacker that weighs 245 pounds, D3 is a lot different from a 245-pound linebacker in the NFL. So, you know, there, there was definitely some size and speed adjustments. But, um, you know, I, I felt like I was able to handle my situation pretty well and, you know, pick up the NFL game as fast as I could. For guys who are working out now, who are in the position where you were a year ago, what would you be your biggest piece of advice? Just never lose confidence in yourself. Um, you know, it's, it's definitely a stressful process. You never know what NFL teams are thinking. Um, and you're just, as a D3 player, hoping that one team might be interested enough in you enough to invite you to a camp or a tryout. And, you know, it, it's the odds are definitely stacked against you, but you know you can never lose confidence in your game and your abilities, and then when you get that shot, just make the most of it. Keith, of these three guys, Joe is the guy who's most on the fringes of the league right now. What can you tell us about the life of a QB3 from your NFL covering perspective? Well, I think Joe hit it on the head um, in, in the part where he was talking about how most teams don't, you know, they rarely keep the third guy, but the third guy is also the odd man out a lot of times when they need to buy a roster spot somewhere. 
uh, down the line during the season. But it's also kind of a risky proposition to go without a third guy because, it, you know, it, it happens where, where where two guys get hurt in the game. Um, you know, not you don't get any reps, right? You run the scout team. You don't you don't work with the first team offense at all. And a lot of times when you see a third quarterback come in the game, um, you see them hit the slot receiver all the time or hit the backup for the third, fourth <laughs> receiver all the time because that's a guy he knows from from working out on the, on the scout team. Sure. He knows where he's going to be. He doesn't know where the the, the first uh, the outside receivers are going to be sometimes um, because he just doesn't get to work with them at all. So I think it's a it's a, a very mental job in the sense that you have to stay ready. Of course, at any given you know you could play you could not play for 13 weeks. Then guy gets hurt in the first quarter of uh, week 13, and then you have to play the whole game. Yeah. So you have to be ready at any given time. You have to know the offense. Um, and it, it's a very, I, like I said, I, I think it's just, it's all it, it, all upstairs. Um, and Joe, I think, has a great attitude about it. I mean, he just had this very mature take on the business and the situations in Green Bay and New Orleans and Cleveland and the right attitude about being a third-string quarterback, whether it was uh, on, the, on the full roster or, or on a practice as a practice squad member. Uh, you know, getting the, the the limited reps is tough, but even as he was saying, you get if you get two reps of practice and only one of them is a pass, you got to hit that pass because that's the only chance you have to put um, to put your your best foot forward. So it's a very um, it's an interesting job, it's an interesting life. It's probably a good gig if you can get it. I wouldn't mind making third string NFL quarterback money, even for all the ups and downs. Um, and one one thing you, you pointed out uh, during the interview, you mentioned uh, Alex Tanney getting opportunity. Matt Barrett from uh, from Whitewater has uh, bounced around a little bit in the NFL. I think he had opportunity with the Bears and maybe the Packers as well. Yeah, and that's a guy who is who really lived that life. And I believe he's not. Uh, I believe he's retired at this point. But uh, he did exactly what uh, Callahan just did last year. He bounced around to a, a bunch of teams. And I'm not sure if he ever even got on an active roster. I know he played some in the preseason, but that's a that's a really tough life coming out of D3 as a quarterback. Well, yeah, and, and it's the obvious way to describe it is sort of by the time you get to D3, you know, the D1 is going to snap up quarterbacks, and those guys are sometimes bringing in a quarterback each season so that they always have one um, one guy that's a that's a senior or a junior ready to start. So you may have, they may have five quarterbacks on the roster and the four backups probably all could start for other programs some guys trickle down they end up they transfer out into fcs you get d2 guys so by the time you get to d3 most of the the bona fide quarterback talent has been snapped up and i think it's probably true of of offensive line uh defensive line as well uh not so much i think wide receivers and safeties are kind of are guys that can uh, because the size, the speed is more important than the size. Sometimes uh, those guys flourish in D three, but there are also plenty of guys in D three at all positions, but but particularly at quarterback who have NFL size and for whatever reason, either they got hurt their senior year, they didn't play in high school, they um, they played in an option offense, but they really turned out to be a great passer. Or, um, you know, they had some connection in D3. Their coach ended up in D3. There are a lot of reasons guys end up in D3, and, and it doesn't mean that they don't have talent. So um, as scouting gets a little more uh, sophisticated, guy, we, we find these guys. And I think for Joe Callahan, it was probably easy. Any scout who who saw the uh, 62-59 game and then he, he throws for whatever 4,000 yards the next year, wins a Gallardi trophy, it's kind of easy to find that guy. I wasn't like finding Derek Carrier at Boyd someone who's a little more off the beaten path but had NFL talent. Joe, I, I think, just 
having his opportunity, but but making the best of it is uh, is is a big thing. I think he probably those are guys you can assume will get an opportunity because uh, they're so high profile and because he had the NFL size, unlike someone like Kevin Burke, who also won the Gallardi Trophy, but under six feet tall. Uh, but I the, I was a super impressed with, with Joe, the attitude that he had about being a third string quarterback and about uh, making the most of his opportunity. That, that really came off as impressive to me. And, and it's no wonder that more than one team was interested in a guy like that. As an aside, the Cleveland Browns continue to sound like just a lovely organization. And I use that term organization loosely. As March goes on, we'll be looking for those nuggets and pieces of news about Division Three guys who have legitimate pro hopes for this fall, and you'll begin to see that information on the D3Football.com website. There were about a dozen D3 guys who were on active rosters in the league last year at one point or another. In the average year, only one or two guys are going to stick, uh, but about eight to ten rookies sign free agent contracts, another half dozen or so beyond that get rookie minicamp tryouts, and a bunch other are looked at. So we'll do our best to ID who those guys are beforehand, so uh, keep an eye out. This was the D3Football.com Around the Nation podcast, number 167 for the month of February 2017. Thanks for listening and tune in for the rest of our coverage throughout the month. If you like our podcast, please consider rating it in your podcast store. That will help other football fans find it. And thanks for following Division Three Football on D3Football.com. Also, I don't know if you realize this, but it's crunch time for Division Three basketball as well. NCAA tournament starts coming up this week, so check out D3 Hoops as well. The executive producer of the Around the Nation podcast is Pat Coleman. Production assistance provided by Dave McHugh. Thanks to our guests, Jarrell Freeman, Andrew Franks, and Joe Callahan, as well as John Wallin and James Baker for their time and help on this edition of our show. And, of course, to the creator of Around the Nation on D3Football.com and my co-host, Keith McMillan. Uh, this is off-season podcast mode, so you'll get a new show monthly from now through August. Check back in to hear from Division Three football newsmakers every four weeks or so before we get back into our weekly podcast for the 2017 season. The uh, the Jarrell Freeman quote where he says, uh, "I was I was just focused on my last semester or whatever, and you know I, I went. I, you go, when you go D three, you're prepared. Uh, you know you don't think NFL. You're preparing for to make it professional and some other kind of life. I was like, that's they should cut that. The NCAA should cut that exact quote and uh, pay you for it and um, <laughs> and make that into the ad because that's pretty much the message." But it was it was natural. Like that's true. You know, you, you go through the you go through that experience, um, and you're you're not thinking the NFL is going to come find you. You're thinking he said he's going to make it in the law field, you know, or or uh, you know, like me, I, I obviously didn't have the talent, um, so I knew I was gonna, had to had to get good at journalism, right? Because football wasn't going to make it for me. So um, that was that. But that's like the NCA ad. The uh, after the uh, we stopped the recording, he and I chatted for a, another couple of minutes, and he said uh, there was never any thought about him not going back and finishing his degree uh, because he, you know, he had to make his mom happy. I said, yeah, I mean, it's important to make mom happy. <laughs>